great to be here. It truly is my, my, my honour uh, to, to be back. It's been a while, but I'm really believing in the time that we have together, God's going to do something significant, that he's going to refresh you. He's going to recharge your batteries. I have this image of people just needing a little bit of a spiritual battery recharge. You know, like you, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're driving, you know, a Ferrari, whether you're driving a Toyota. You know, there comes a time, your battery can go flat. Battery can go flat, not because there's anything wrong with the car. It's just that the charge that it's carried has, has been exhausted. And so I'm just seeing the jumper leads of heaven coming down on the, on the spiritual battery of, of people's lives that you would know the charge of heaven so that you can continue. You can go forward, you know, in your journey, full of charge, full of power. And so... For those of you who don't know me, I'm an Australian-Italian mix. And so that makes it an interesting combination. What's more, on my mother's side was Irish heritage. So Irish-Italian, that get, that's not just, that's, that's double dose of, of fiery woman right there. So, uh, so thank you so much. I want to honour right now just Pastors Mike and Joy firstly. You know, they have been such a blessing to our church at C3 Oxford Falls in Sydney and to myself personally. And you know what? I really take my hat off to any man and woman of God who's gone the distance test over the, the course of time. And, and church planters in particular, I really do have exceeding admiration for people who go in and pioneer a work and break through that hard ground. And that's why I'm a, a travelling ministry. You know, I come here, you know, I, I, I just, you know, make a little bit of noise, a bit of a hurrah, and then I take off. And so, but it's, the, it's pastors who go the distance with people. I'm telling you what, that's the, they're the true heroes of the faith. And so I really want to honour Pastors Mike and Joy this morning. <clears throat> so let's hear it for your pastors. Show some appreciation today because I tell you what, I reckon there's a special reward in heaven for the pastors of, of this world. And I also want to honour Pastors uh, Dave and, and Kate as well, just getting to know them on this trip. And you know what? I'm so excited for the future. I am so excited for the future. The future is bright. I'm telling you, the future is good. And you're a great compliment. You really are the, like the yin and yang, aren't you? Of, you've, got, you've got just a great compliment there. I'm thinking God knew what he was doing when he put you two together. Because it really do, you just bring such strength. The both of you have got such individual strength, but combined really is a force to be reckoned with. And, um, you know, I really do have a heart for, for women in ministry. And uh, Kate, you've got the goods. You really do. You have the goods, you know. And as you stand up here, know that you really do carry something in your own right. Not just, as it were, to be serving alongside of your husband, but in your own right. You've got a voice. You really do. And... Um, and that, that excites me. I love seeing a woman, hey, who knows who she is. Ah, got the voice of God on the inside of her. So, look, I just want to bring a word today really to help facilitate the next level of fruitfulness that you're entering into as a church. You know, I really do believe that for, those, for you personally, but also in the life of the church. You know, uh, we talk about you know, pruning, proceeding, fruitfulness, but I've learned that that's not a guarantee. There are a whole lot of other factors besides just the prunings of God. That's a part of it. And, and springtime itself doesn't ensure fruitfulness either. Just a change of season is a good thing, and I believe that you're moving into the springtime of God. Who knows that it's a new day? It's a new day. I've shared uh, in the leaders' meetings that um, I've been in of a vision that the Lord gave me on the plane coming here of a person 
taking their clothes off. Mamma mia. I thought, Lord Jesus, I thought, get behind me, Satan. What is this? But uh, just so you don't, nothing dodgy, nothing, nothing X-rated. It was just this generic picture of someone getting changed. And the Lord said to me that church, where you're at right now is you're getting changed. You're getting changed. And it's like that change, that transition that happens, you know, as you, as you, you know, shed one garment and you take on a new one. And so let me just share this one thought this morning that I believe is going to help you facilitate the next level of your fruitfulness. Uh, I want to pray right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your word is alive. I thank you, Lord, for Bay City Outreach Center. I thank you, Father, for an open heaven. I thank you for open hearts. Lord, for every person here right now under the sound of my voice, I just pray, Lord, you would take what I say and apply it to each one personally. Father, I just thank you for your presence. Holy Ghost, I thank you that you're here. I thank you, Lord, for your power to bring change, transformation, and breakthrough. I thank you, Lord God. We've got ears to hear, not the voice of a woman today, but a voice from heaven. So, Holy Spirit, right now I pray, have your way and have your say. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on earth today in Hastings as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You know, I, uh, I just want to share, I just want to share a little story. But something I went through a few years ago, shared it very quickly with the leaders last night. It was uh, the year 2006, actually it was New Year's Day 2007. New Year's Day 2007. And I was looking ahead into the year before me and I started to have a bit of a whinge to the Lord. A little bit now. I th- a lot of you are looking at me up there. Do I look okay? Well, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. Some of these things make you look 10 kilos heavier. But that's actually quite a good one. You can look up there if you like. I don't mind. Okay. And I was having a bit of a winch to the Lord because, you know, I had such high expectations for 2006. I really did. And yet as I, you know, looked now, uh, standing in 2007, looking at the year ahead, I, I was a bit disappointed, to be honest, because 2006 hadn't delivered what I was expecting. And so... I said, Lord, 2006 was okay. You know, it was okay. Nothing bad happened. But nothing great happened either. And it was like in that moment, the Lord brought back, my, back to my remembrance this scripture from Proverbs 4.23. And it's this. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it, it, it spring the issues of life. I want to read that to you in a few other versions. It says in the NIV, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The NAS says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Another version says, guard your heart more than anything else, because the source of your life flows from it. The NLT says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And the Message Bible says, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. The Vicky paraphrase is this, that your life that you see is a reflection of your heart that you don't see. 
And I felt the Lord say to me in that moment, Vicky, nothing changed for you in your life because nothing changed in your heart. Nothing shifted in your life in 2006 because nothing shifted in your heart. And today I want to share this key to fruitfulness. The key to a fruitful life, to a fruitful church is a fruitful heart. A fruitful heart. If you're taking notes this morning, that is the title of the message. A fruitful heart. And so, so many times we underestimate the power of our hearts. Guard your heart above all else, for out of it flows the issues of life. That word issues in the Hebrew, it literally means the boundaries, the borders. Yeah, I might need someone to open this for me. There we go. Thank you, Bryden, King of Apples. God bless you. Thank you. I'm not a fan of these things. I much prefer a glass, you know. There we go. <clears throat> you end up with lipstick all over this thing. I think a bloke designed this. There we go. <clears throat> Fraught with danger for a woman. Issues. Issues, the boundaries, the borders, the outgoings. And my life hadn't gone anywhere because my heart hadn't. Keep your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. I don't know about you, but I've often thought that that word has meant that if somebody hurts me, then my responsibility is to put, put the guardrails up. I mean, from that point that I am going to put up the walls. Anyone else thought that this is what this scripture meant? I mean, particularly back in my single days. Back in the day, I mean, for those of you who don't know my story, I was a bit of a late bloomer. I didn't get married till I was 43. So I brought uh, hope to every single person in the nation of Australia uh, when I got married. Because for many, to- for many years, I was like the, the cover girl for Christian singles. And, uh, but, but the fact was, is that because of hurt, because of disappointment, I'd put this guard around my heart, thinking that I was being scriptural. Because the Lord says, guard your heart. Guard your-. In actual fact, that's not what it means. It's not talking about putting up walls of offense in order to, to protect. What it's talking about is to keep it, to tend to it, kind of like you would a garden, taking the bad out and putting the good in. That's what it's talking about. Really, it's, it's much better translated to keep. Keep your heart. And so there are a lot of things in life we've got to keep. I mean, there are some of you here, you might be working at keeping fit. Keeping fit. I'm married to um, an elite runner. My husband actually runs full time. He's not quite making money yet, but the, he's just stepping out, fulfilling a dream. And, uh, you know, so he runs uh, three minute, 40 second Ks. If anyone knows anything about running, it's flipping fast. Slipping fast. He's about 20 seconds off being elite runner status where they then pay for you to come and do the runs. You know, so, but he has to, man, he has to work at that. He's got to keep fit. He has got to keep in shape, keep in good form. Got, it doesn't just happen automatically. I mean, a lot of things in life you've got to keep, you've got to work on, you've got to tend to. Some of you women, some of you fellas, you know, you know what it is to, you know, keep, keep, Keep house, keep things in order, keep things. That doesn't just, I wish the cleaning fairy just came and descended on my house and started cleaning things, keeping that stuff in order. But, you know, keep, keep keeping the bad out. Hey, you got to get that dust out. you got to get that dirt out and keeping the good in. That's what it means to keep, keeping your finances in order. You know, brother accountant, you know, God bless accountants. People like me would be in a terrible state of affairs without someone to keep, keep the things in order, keeping finances. Who knows what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, the the process of keeping, upkeeping. And the Bible says more than anything else, more than anything else, 
above all else, keep your heart. Keep your heart. I've got to be this honest today. Because I don't see my inner life, you know, it can sort of get pushed to the back burner. Because it's not shouting for my attention like these other things in my life can be, it can tend to just go by the wayside. But the Lord is saying, you don't know how critical it is to keep your heart. Keep your heart because that is the source of your fruitfulness. That is so many of us, we think, well, why don't we keep our hearts like we should above all else? Because I think many of us think that the issues of life flow out of our head or our hands. Our ideas, our intellect. You know, the, the, those, the, the, the to-do list. Your life does not flow out of your to-do list. Out of our hands, the things that we do. Then there are some of you here today, you might feel like you're not positioned for another level of fruitfulness because you're looking at all the stuff that you don't have. But let me tell you today what you do have. You do have a heart. You have, you have soil. You have land. On the, you have real estate on the inside of you that is able to produce. That is able to produce. And so God is saying today to tend it, to tend it. Keeping the bad out, putting the good in. So what sort of things are we talking about that might be? Well, let's have a look. You know, there might be, we're talking about keeping our hearts undefiled. You know, undefiled from sin. Undisturbed where peace rules. Free of offence. Healed of hurts. I know these are all lofty ideals, but the fact is we have to be working towards these things. No, this never stops being priority. Never, ever. You know, we never get to a place where we don't have to tend to our heart. A church never gets to a place. I can guarantee you that any healthy church is a church with a healthy heart. Any, any healthy marriage, any healthy family, it, it, it comes back to the state of the heart. And I'm praying today that the Lord himself, by his spirit, will just illuminate to you personally. What is it? I'm sensing with some of you here, it's stress, stress, stress chokes. It, deter, it, will, it will be a determining factor in the fertility of your heart. I mean, in the natural, people trying to get pregnant, one of the factors that the doctors will say They'll say, you know, you know, stress does not help. Stress does not help the whole baby-making process. And it's the same, you know, in the area of, of, of your heart. Stress does not help the fruitfulness of your life on so many levels. That is something that needs to be tended to. Identify it. Call it for what it is. Start to believe God for strategies. What is it that I need to tend to? Get some help if need be. Some of you, really, if I can be this honest, hey, take advantage of the healing course that you see coming up on your screen there. Take advantage of every opportunity. Actually, sister worship uh, singer here, worship, what's your name, sweetie, the blonde girl? Joe, just stand up, Joe, very quickly. I just really want to identify and just, just the call of God on your life. You've got the good sweetheart. You really do. There is a sweet touch of God on you. There really is something pure. But I see the enemy has come to try and still kill and destroy. He really has trying to do a number on you. And right now, in Jesus, is your hubby here? Yeah, that's just, just right. Right now, in Jesus' name, we take authority over every lie of the enemy. And I thank you, Lord God. That fruitfulness, a new level of fruitfulness, a new measure, Father, of the anointing right now in G every lie of the enemy is broken, is broken. Confusion goes because there's stuff for you to do, sweetheart. Stuff for you to do. Stepping up, taking ground, doing great things in God. So I thank you, Father, right now. Bring peace, bring peace, bring peace, bring peace. Anyone else need some peace? 
Anyone else need some peace? Let's raise your hand right now. Right now, those stress heads I've been talking about. Who are, this, who are the ones who just, you know, stress has been coming against you. Anxiety has been coming against you. It's choking your heart. It's choking the fertility of your real estate. It's choking that which produces on this stand right now. Every one of you with your hand raised, just stand right now in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing of God. There it is right now. I come against anxiety in the name of Jesus. I come against fear in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father. Father. There it is right now. The anointing of God bringing breakthrough. The thoughts, the thoughts. Anxiety stems from a thought. Anxiety stems from lies. Anxiety stems from from coming into agreement with the enemy. And we break its power right now over each one of these, these dear people. And I thank you, Lord, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Tend to your heart. Tend to it. We receive right now. We receive right now the peace of God. The peace, there it is. There it is in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a brother right down the very back, glasses on, standing. You can stay stand, uh, blue shirt, actually. Second row from the back. Yeah. What's your name, mate? Yell out. Bryson? Bryson. It's, it, this is the day the Lord has made. It's a, don't, you, you, I see you've got a vision. You, there's, there's, there's some stuff you, you believe in God for. You're looking ahead. You, you, you're, you're quite, a, um, you know, you're ambitious in a good sense. A, a visionary sort of do it and shaker, you know, mover and shaker. Stuff to do, places to go, things to make happen. But, but God, God wants you to enjoy the journey. Enjoy where you are on the way to where you're going. And you're going you're gonna to know what it is to be both, not to minimise that visionary aspect of you. I see you kind of in business and making things happening and breaking through and financially good things happening. But, but you've got to saying, you know, just enjoy where you are, not living always in that place that hasn't happened and then it's breeding dissatisfaction, but yes, enjoying, enjoying where you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's, you know, keeping, keeping your, your affections in order. Hey, your heart full of love, full of faith, full of the Word, full of prayer. These are the good things, good things that produce in our heart. It's a supernatural thing. In the world, it's all based on power. It's based on money. In the world, fruitfulness is determined by what you know, who you know. But in the kingdom of God, fruitfulness is determined by the state of your heart. It's the state of your heart. It's supernatural. And so as the Word comes, it's the Word, the seed of God. Then as that descends, as it's planted in your heart, it's able to produce. It's able to produce. And I'm telling you, it's interesting. You're surrounded here by orchards and fruitfulness. Every time you see those fruit, you remind yourself that that is the plan of God for you, that you would bear fruit and fruit that remains. But if the soil has got to be good, keep working on it. Above all else, above all, oh, I've got to work my business. Oh, I've got my studies to do. I've got this, that and the other. Above all else, what would our lives look like if we made the tending of our heart priority. I mean, I found, I honestly, I, I just want what impossibilities would be made possible. I mean, what incredible inroads would be made into this community. I mean, what incredible realms of the Spirit, the supernatural presence of God would take place if we tended to our hearts. I'm not saying you haven't, 
I'm not saying you haven't. It's just a wake-up call. It's just sounding the alarm. Like put it back, put it back on the front burner. A lot of stuff can happen that distracts us. A lot of stuff can go on in our worlds that cause us to be drawn away. And 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 hey, we're, we're 21st century Western Western people. All sorts of stuff vying for our attention. All stuff. I mean, social media is a blessing and a curse. So is the internet. I mean, television. I talk to pastors in Australia, and the biggest challenge to their Sunday night services is the television. People don't come because it's Master Chef. People don't come because it's 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 the block. People don't come because of the entertainment. The entertainment that's on. So one of the one of the biggest things in in Australia that will contend for Christians' attention and their priorities and their heart and their heart out of a well kept heart. Good stuff flows. Who's, they might be here to, today and you've got a cluttered heart. Cluttered heart. Ever seen any of those uh, documentaries on hoarders? I mean, it might be someone here today and you've got a little bit of a problem yourself, you know. But I tell you what, some of those people, I mean, it really is a sickness. It really is. It's a stronghold. It's a sad thing to see. But, you know, I've seen them where the house is so cluttered, so cluttered, no one can come in. No one can come out. And when our hearts are cluttered, some of you are feeling a bit convicted right now. Perhaps there's something, something I don't know, a room, a closet, I don't know. But, but cluttered hearts, it, it stops the life flow. You know, the life can't flow out of us, it can't flow into us. So decluttering, a bit of spiritual decluttering now and again doesn't go astray. Doesn't matter how old you are, who you are, where you come from. Hey, the state of your heart, state of your heart. You know, I've learned that the biggest shifts in my heart have preceded the biggest shifts in my life. You know, it wasn't long before I went into full time ministry. Now, I've been in full time ministry since 1992. And the weeks that led up to it, I really didn't know that it was going to happen. My background is human resource management, staff training. And I had gone for a. it was four and a half month long ministry training course just for my own personal development. Had left from Perth to Brisbane to go and attend attend this ministry training. And in the final weeks of that course, the Lord started to convict me about my relationship with my father. Let me tell you something about my dad. My, my dad wasn't a bad man, not at all. But he was an absent man. He was an absent father. And so... He was a taxi owner, driver, and literally he worked that business every day of his life. I mean, even Christmas Day, he would go out and work and we'd have to beg him to come back for lunch. I mean, he just, he, he just was a workaholic. But as a young girl and growing up, I'd see other families do life together. I mean, we never, ever had a family holiday. We never, ever had, you know, would go out even on day trips or just barbecue, nothing like that. It was, it, Dad was like, I felt totally absent. And I, I, I took that as rejection. I took that as meaning he didn't love me. And I remember I got the point that as a teenager, I, you know, it really wasn't that great between us. It was just, it was, the relationship was non-existent. And I just learned to live like that. Then at the age of 19, I made a decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. At the age of 19, as a hairy-legged hippie growing up in an Italian Catholic family, I went into a Christmas Day service and I had an encounter with God. I got, 
uh, the lights turned on that day that I needed more, that I needed a relationship with God. I'd been looking for a cause. I'd been looking for truth and, relation, and, and meaning in all sorts of different places, particularly in Eastern religions. But you know, it wasn't cutting the mustard for me. And so, but this day, this day I heard a message, John 10.10 10 says, Jesus said, the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I, had, I tell you what, the, the, the lights went on. Abundant life, abundant life. I thought, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. I didn't realise. I'd never made a connection. Now, I'd gone, grown up in school, was seeing Jesus on the cross every day of my school education. I had never made a connection between that image and life. I'd never made a connection between Jesus and life. I thought he was the one who wanted to rip me off from life. You know, I was a girl who wanted to have fun. Girls just want to have fun. And oh, girls just want to have, that's all they really want, to have fun. I had not made a connection between Jesus and fun. But you know what, that day, and it was every bit as much about what I felt, to be quite honest, as about what I heard. And as I left the church that day, and the pastor asked me there at the door, he, he wished me a Merry Christmas, because it was Christmas Day after all. And I just broke down and burst into tears. He asked me whether I had given my heart to the Lord, whether I had received Christ as my Lord and Saviour. To be honest, I didn't totally understand the question. Because I thought, well, I've been christened, I've been first Holy Communioned, and I've been confirmed. I thought three times that I know of. So I said to him, I think so. I think so. But clever pastor, if you think so and don't know so, probably haven't so. And so he led me in a prayer there at the doorstep of that church where I admitted my need for God. I didn't understand the theology of what was happening. I didn't. All I knew is that I wanted what I felt, that life that I felt that day. And I had been presented with, an, with a, <laughs> Woo! thank you, Jesus. Still standing. All good. Still standing. Man, there you go. Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> got your attention now, hey, got your attention now. But I did, I'd been presented with an image, with an image of God that was captivating and that was compelling and that I'd never heard before. And so that moment when I actually prayed that prayer, I didn't realise what happened was is that I relocated. I went from death to life. I went from darkness to light. And what's more, it says, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 6, 17, that those who join themselves to the Lord becomes one, become one spirit with God. And do you know what? Giving your heart to the Lord is not about a feeling. It is a decision based on a conviction of need, of need for Him and His, His saving power. We're not meant to do life alone. We're never meant to do life alone. The Heavenly Father sent us a Savior so that we would not do life alone. And at that moment, I received the Lord Jesus. It's the biggest shift in my life. But I tell you what it also did. I tell you what, from that point on, I mean, my father was so offended. So offended because I'd left the Catholic Church. I thought, you know what? I didn't leave. I was never there. What's more, neither was he. I mean, seriously. We weren't even Easter and Christmas Catholics. We were weddings and funerals Catholics. And so... I mean, it was, I mean, really, I mean, my, the relationship that had been just gradually disintegrating over my teenage years from that point on, it was just totally, like, 
forget it. It was just not. He didn't talk to me for the, for the first year at all, and I lived in the same house. First five years, very, very cold. Took him about 10 years to get used to the idea. In actual fact, when I went into ministry and family members would ask him, so, so Tony, how's Vicky going? Uh, he would say that I was working for the Queensland government. Because he was just so embarrassed. He didn't understand what I was doing. I mean, he just couldn't, you know, within his Catholic context. And honestly, he thought, you know, leaving the Catholic church was like leaving him. He, it was, was not a good situation. But there came a time the Lord put his finger on it. And the Lord said to me, he said to me, Vicky, you think your father has rejected you? You have rejected him. I mean, he gave me this whole different perspective. I mean, I mean, I'm telling you. The Lord just, it was like within a moment, he downloaded all this understanding about my father and why he did what he did. And it was this. I mean, he was raised in, during World War II, new extreme poverty in Italy. I mean, come at, there was a, times and all they had to eat was literally the grass in the field. And the Lord said to me, your father has been showing you love the only way he knows how to work. To work hard, to provide for you so you would not go through what he went through. I'm telling you, in a moment, my perspective changed and all this resentment just started to wash away. And I tell you, I started to get, I mean, I wept tears, bitter tears of repentance and, and, and sorrow that I, I had blamed my dad for something that I'd actually been carrying myself. And so it's a shift in my heart, Right? It's a shift in my heart. At that moment, I pulled out some stuff and I started to put some good stuff in, some forgiveness. I started to put some, some, some love in there for my father. Now, let me tell you what happened days later. Days later, I'm living in Brisbane, east coast of Australia, ring my family in Perth, fully expecting for my mother to answer the phone because my father was never there. This day, he answered the phone. Now, to, to connect with my dad, I used to have to always talk about either, either work or sport. That was generally the point of, of connection. And we're just having general, general chit-chat, right? Now, bearing in mind, I never told him anything of what had happened in the days that had, that had proceeded. Didn't tell him off. Dad, I'm so sorry. I've been carrying resentment and unforgiveness against you. Please forgive me. Nothing, nothing, none of that, none of that. But at the end of that conversation, my father said something that I'd never, ever heard him say before, and it was this. He said, I love you, Vic. I love you, Vic. I'd never heard him say that. I nearly passed out. Woo! What's more, my mother is there. And the, she heard it happen. And my grandmother is there. My grandmother goes to my mother. Did he say what I just think he said? Woo! She nearly passed out. My mother, woo! Nearly passed out. Because I tell you what happened. Something shifted in my heart, so something shifted in my life. Something shifted on the inside, so something shifted on the outside. Because the issues of life flow from the heart. And you know what? Our relationship, mine and my dad's relationship, just continue to go from strength to strength. Could I have the worship team return, please? You know, I thank God for that because, you know, my father actually passed away suddenly and unexpectedly in his early 60s, only four years later. And so we were in a good place. Good place when that happened. And what's more, he told a cousin of mine that he hadn't always understood me, but the day before he died, not knowing knowing this, that he didn't know he was going. None of us did. He said that he was proud of me. 
Come on, I'm telling you, church, there are changes that are going to take place in your lives. Changes that God has promised. Yes, he has prophesied it. Yes, changes, things that you've been doing, fruitfulness, areas of fruitfulness in all sorts of areas. And it's dependent on the shifts in your heart. Shifts in your heart. I don't know, I don't know you all here today personally. I don't know... I don't know if you all have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. I don't know if you know God. I don't know that. And what's more, for those of you who have, who have prayed that prayer where you admitted your need for God, I mean, are you living like it today? Are you? Perhaps there are some of you here and in that area of relationship with God, there's some stuff blocking your heart. Maybe there's some disappointment towards God, some offence towards God. And today God wants to you'd give you an opportunity to get Back on track. Get back in the God zone. Come on, get back in that place of trusting Him. Trusting Him. Opening up your heart to receive Him. Some of you, you might need to do that for the first time today. Knowing, knowing that you are one with God. Not separated, not God from a distance. But God right up close and personal. He loves you. Oh, He's got great plans for your life. I'm telling you, my family thought it was a phase. My family consoled my father that this is just a phase. She'll grow out of it. 33 years later, longest phase I've ever been in. Best decision I've ever made. And I really want the privilege today of praying for anyone. Anyone who knows that, you know what, I don't know that, Vicky. I, don't exp- I, I haven't experienced that life of God, abundant life that you're talking about. Can I just ask you right now, I would love every one of you right now just to close your eyes, would you please? And I would love you to just consider, consider your spiritual condition. Consider, where are you at with God today? Come on, come on. Get, get back on track. Just step in, step into that place of opening up your heart, admitting your need for Him. And I'm going to ask you just a moment for anyone today. You say, yeah, I need to do that. That's the first thing. Okay, your heart, your heart does not produce fruit. Does not produce good fruit until, until the, 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 the life of God is on the inside that actually does the producing. It's the life of God that comes through the Word of God. Jesus is the Word. It comes into our heart. It's a supernatural thing. It's an extraordinary thing. You're not just signing, as it were, allegiance to Jesus as opposed to someone else. You're not just, as it were, joining a, you know, a club or making a commitment to be a good person. No, no, no. You, you, are, you, are having, you are, from that point on, relocating from death to life, from darkness to light. So every eye closed. If you say, yeah, Vicky, that's me. I need that today. I really do. I, I, I need that. I want to receive Lord Jesus today. Whether that's for the first time or you know you need to get back on track, I want you to raise your hand. Say, yeah, Vicky, that's me. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. It's fantastic. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want to pray for those of you. You say, yes, God bless you. God bless you to my right. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just feel there's a couple more. I feel there's just a couple more. I'm just going to just wait just a little, a little moment. Thank you, Father. Right now, Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you're speaking to us. I thank you, Lord, for each person here today that you have ordained, Lord God, to just surrender to you, to surrender to you, Father, to, to, to step into that relationship with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Very quickly, very quickly. God bless you. God bless you. That's fantastic. This is what I want to do, church, right now. I'm just going to ask us to stand, every one of us to stand. I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us, Cheyenne and the team to lead us in a song. 
And those of you who raised your hand, I want to meet you right down here. I want to meet you right down here. I'm just going to ask you to be courageous enough. Bring a friend if you want. Doesn't matter. Just I'll be. I've been in this church 30 years. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'm not here 30 years, and I'm not going to be here next week. So those of you who raised your hands, come, come, stand right now, church. Let's stand. I want you. Let's sing right now. I want you to lift your voice.